call this meeting to order, please? You tricked me. <laughs> Laura, would you call the roll, please? Alder T. Present. Damar? Here. Eskert? Here. Rummel? Present. Revere? Here. Thank you. Um, is there any public comment? Seeing none, I have one registrant from a Tyler Huber um, on item 9 available to answer questions. Any disclosures or recusals? Seeing nothing. Okay, would you take a couple minutes and look over today's agenda and let me know if you would like some things pulled from the consent agenda. Alder Revere. Thank you, Madam President. I'll go first. Uh, I'd like separation, please, on agenda items 8, 13, and 14. And obviously, 16 will be separated, I'm sure. 8, 13, and 14? So 8, 13, 14, right. Thank you. Alder Cheeks. I'd also like to separate 11 and 12, 7 and 10. Anyone else? Alder Rummel? Um, I don't know if Mike already did this one, but uh, number 14 for an editorial. 14's been pulled. Okay, sorry. Yep. Anything else? Hmm? Alder Chase, did you have something? Nope. No. Okay. So. Did we pull 15? 15 has not been pulled. We should do it for just. We should do it. Okay. So what I have here then, just to make sure everyone's on the same page, items 7, 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. Miss anything? No. Okay. Could I get a motion on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 9? So moved. Second. All those in favor of approval of 1 through 6 on item 9? Say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. Thank you. That brings us to item number seven, Alder Cheeks. Uh, I'd like to move referral of item number seven to the next Board of Estimates meeting. Second. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you. Item number eight. Alder for beer, right? Yes, I ask for separation. I'm happy to move adoption. Second. Any discussion? The question for Chuck. Thank you, Chuck. Hey, Chuck. No. I'm just looking for more of a background as to why we don't can't use our own internal staff capacity to complete this grant application with the feds. As you know, we have a very, very talented full-time grant writer in the finance department, among other resources. And, and so could you go into more detail in the language and the resolution as to why, you know, you have phrases like, quote, very demanding grant application, and, quote, it's economical to the city on the basis of time and money to engage Vanderwall. So could you please elaborate on that? Yes. Uh, when we submitted the Tiger Grant a year ago, I would describe that the focus, though we were very involved as staff, we were working with RNL, who is the consultant engineer at Nakusa Trail, 
They assisted in the preparation of the Tiger Grant that was due last June. Uh, one of the things we did is we talked to the FTA and asked them, so why didn't we win the grant? <laughs> and it came down to, the question was, how is this more than a bus garage? How does this really address equity? Because we said it addresses equity concerns. We are at capacity in our garage, as everyone here knows, and our service expansion ability to Owl Creek, to Sun Prairie, to Allied Drive, and to other areas, as well as to Epic, to the university during peak hours, is constrained. And so I think this is more of an emphasis on explaining the social, economic, and equity benefits of a garage. And most of us are used to explaining why we need a garage because we're out of capacity. We can't add any more peak hour capacity. How do you translate that into a benefit to the community beyond just the fact that we're not serving it? What does that mean in terms of access to jobs? What does that mean in terms of access to schools? What does that mean in terms of those kinds of things? And uh, we have met with Vanduel. We feel they're well-suited to help us beef that up and answer the Fed's question, Why? how is this more than just a bus garage? So how was Vanduel selected? I know that the grant that the um, contract with them was few dollars under $25,000 and so what process was used to select Vandewall and what's their expertise in, in the issue of equity? Well in the uh, issue of grant writing they have uh, been the grant application preparers uh, involved in two prior Tiger grants that were successful one a transit-oriented development uh, grant or footprint grant and the other for the Judge Doyle multimodal uh, application. So they have a successful track record. Uh, this is a little bit more than what we paid RNL a year ago. It was around $30,000 to assist us with the grant application back in June. Um, so this was, given the very short time frame, last year this was due in June. We got the word about two weeks ago this was going to be moved up two months. So in a very quick turnaround, we met with Van de Waal. We also thought to ourselves, what other companies have demonstrated an ability to successfully apply for Tiger Grants, understand our local community well enough to explain why services uh, are needed in cert certain underserved areas. And we felt that after a meeting with Van de Waal, that they were able to bring those skills to the table, and we would work with them as we did with RNL to do that. Last question: RNL presented us a body of work that I presume Vanderwell will not have to replicate. That's correct. The, so their their expertise is different than Vanderwell's. Right. RNL brought no. Well, this is what they helped us because one of the questions, very candidly, that was asked by Alder Rummel, what about staying in the existing garage? And RNL has done the engineering work both at Nakusa Trail, and 11 years ago they looked at our existing facility. But the price tag on that is fairly hefty, more like 75 million rather than 35 million. And I feel we're more shovel ready for Nakusa. So they focused on the engineering, the technical design work that we have in hand. And um, you may recall also that the council in the 2016 budget has approved $1.5 million to move forward with engineering and design work at NACUSA, which we're beginning to do um, to even be more shovel-ready and give ourselves a very good chance of winning this Tiger Grant. Not 100%, but a better chance.
Hope so. Thank you yep. for your response yep. on this. Alder Clare? Well, Alder Rummel. I didn't see your hand first. I guess I'm sort of channeling former Alder Schmidt, and so I e emailed Chuck and, and David as a sponsor to ask what about the, the Ingersoll facility, because I know that I had many conversations with Chris about that, and so can you share some of what your comments are and why you would that support that? When I started uh, 10 years ago, I actually really liked the idea of everything being at Ingersoll. But the price tag at the time was in the 65 to $75 million range. And we never had the point where the funding was starting to be in the approved capital budget for the next year. The price tag was such that it kept being moved out and the price kept going up with inflation. In 2010, Dave and the mayor started a long-range facilities planning process. There was a report submitted in June of 12 to you. That really began the process where we looked at all of the city's facility needs, and we said, is it realistic that we're going to get a $75 to $80 million garage? And the answer was probably not. Plus, there were some other benefits. If we ever do have a serious incident like a fire or flood, if our buses are at two locations rather than one, there's an advantage from a risk management standpoint. So over the last five years, we have moved towards uh, a satellite garage, and indeed the council was presented with the Tiger Grant proposal last year to have it be a $35 million Tiger Grant at Nakusa, 50% local funded, 50% federally funded. And so that's what we've been following since then as our plan. And so if so we would keep the facility at Ingersoll, are there any plans to do anything in addition to what exists? or? We will, instead of looking at building new at uh, Ingersoll, we anticipate in this upcoming 2017 capital budget looking at some needed investments in heating, ventilation, and other facility repairs uh, so that we can stay there another 10 or 20 years. Uh, Ten years ago, we envisioned limiting our capital investments with the idea, as this 2005 study suggested, that we might move out of there the last couple of years. It's been clear that we will be at Ingersoll for at least the foreseeable future, 10 to 20 years, and that we need to do some capital investments to maintain the facility over the next five years. And so I'll just be a, a Debbie Downer. What if we don't get the grant again? What does that mean? Uh, well, I'll be the eternal optimist and say if you look at what our needs are, if you look at how we serve the community and are very competitive with some of the largest cities in the United States for quality transit, whether we apply for the Tiger Grant and get it or we don't, and we look for other funding sources down the road, we have to do that to serve our community. That's my job. We'll figure out a way to do it. We have to. Thank you. Alder Clare? So, um, first, just an editorial comment. It should say 2016 Tiger Grant in the title, right? Right. Okay, just clarifying that. Thank you. Um, am I remembering this correctly, that we're now leasing a small facility on the west side for some additional buses? Is that right? You, are, you recall that correctly. We are leasing a spot in Middleton on Century Avenue for about 15 buses. We've decided to operate out there during the school year for some of our west side Dodger buses. They're not out all day. Um, that has given us some breathing room. 
our Ingersoll facility was designed for 160 buses. We did have 215 buses. Now we only have 200 buses, but it's still overcrowded. You're now only 35% over capacity right, right. instead of 45. Could you talk about the operational costs of, of multiple facilities? Because you've talked in the past about things like, you know, maintenance and um, just cleaning um, issues in having multiple locations. So could you address that a little bit and maybe how that's being addressed with the current satellite facility that we have now? In this study from 2005, while it envisioned everything at Ingersoll, it did have a chapter on what would we do if we had a satellite facility instead. And it went through and it looked at some of the extra costs involved in janitors, in bus cleaners, in supervision, because you're going to have a supervisor at both both locations at critical times. And it suggested you need eight additional staff when you open a second facility. We didn't have eight at, at a minimum, no matter that. If, if we're going to have a large satellite facility like Nakusa, we need eight more people. Our Middleton facility, we just made the commitment that we needed that space so bad. This will also be a trial and error to see, do we really need the extra people when we have a second small facility in Middleton? The answer is yes. Quick example, we have spare bus ratios, and what it comes down to at the risk of sounding too nitnoity is you end up with needing an extra spare bus at both locations because when you have a half a bus need at one location, if you do the math, and a half a bus location at the other, you do the math. What that really means is you need one extra bus at both locations. So you don't have any half buses. Correct. So uh, it's one thing. We feel like we could plan a satellite facility, and that staffing need is manageable, but I would not be advocating for four, five, six, seven locations for our fleet over the next 20 or 30 years. So how many people do you have in Middleton now? Well, we have uh, roughly 12 or 13 drivers going out there every day to run peak hour buses on the west side of Madison. Those drivers you'd need anyway. That's right. We haven't added any additional positions to do this. We've taken two mechanic positions, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, to go out there, open the facility up, get the buses running on cold days. It's not a heated facility. Uh, We also have staff that rotate those buses back to our garage on Ingersoll for fueling. The location in Middleton doesn't have a fuel uh, tank, and we knew that. But that just gives us an idea of there's an extra cost involved in having two facilities. So you're not doing any maintenance, cleaning, Correct. anything in Correct. Middleton. You're just cycling the buses back. That's right. Okay. Once a week they're coming in for fueling. On a regular basis they're coming in for their inspections, or if there's corrective repair work done, they're coming to the East Washington facility for that. Whereas the Nakusa facility will be staffed with mechanics to do running maintenance, inspections, brake repairs, et cetera, everything except heavy engine and transmission overhaul and that sort of thing. That heavy overhaul will strictly be done at East Wash. Everything else could be done at Nakusa. So this will be a real garage as opposed to Middleton. It's just kind of a storage exactly. facility. Exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Alder Cheeks. Um. Chuck, I really appreciate your uh, eternal optimism and enthusiasm. It's something I always really uh, enjoy about working with you. Um, I'd like to repeat back a little bit of what I heard. You explained that we heard back that um, one of the things that we didn't that we called out 
in our last Tiger Grant was the issue of equity, and they said we didn't sufficiently address that the issue. And then as he explained um, the strength of this new consultant, he said they're really good at winning Tiger Grants, and they, they um, are familiar with our community. You, you still in that scenario um, didn't specifically articulate that they're experienced in um, explaining matters through an equity lens. And um, I think, so you acknowledge that we're accustomed to thinking about this garage in terms of a, a big need for our community and one that, um, one that we sort of know, we believe to have an equity impact, that, that there is benefit from that perspective. But I just want to, I think, point out that um, the work, uh, there's going to be a question. There's going to be a question. Um, the work of the uh, RESJI team, which I know that you're highly involved in, is really important for this exact reason, for us to help frame our thinking through the RESJI lens. Um, and do you, do you expect, my, my question ultimately is, do you expect that we will get to a place where we can articulate this, uh, articulate projects like this, specifically in your department, through an equity lens? Because I, 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 it doesn't sit comfortably with me that we would say, we're sort of at capacity, we can explain this from a technical position, and we can't explain this from a really, truly through an equity lens right now. Um, I, I think that we, we have to be able to do that. And I wonder, do you think that we're on a path towards being able to do that? I do, and I say that recognizing that it will take uh, steps more than one to get there. But if we're working with Vandewall and we talk about, if I may use an example that you and I have worked on, on Route 18, mm -hmm because it is having a problem making its time points at the south and the west transfer points that we decided to take it off a street and then we heard from residents, no, 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 that is critically important. So if you look at the schedule today, what we've done during the afternoon rush hour is we've reduced the number of times that it makes it to the west transfer point in time to make transfers with other buses. I would like to add additional buses on Route 18. I think that's what we need to do, and I think Vandewall, in hearing them ask the questions, do you have survey data on your Route 18? We do now. Do you know how often the passengers on Route 18 transfer? We do now. Do you know the income levels of individuals that ride our bus? Well, we do now. That tells me that they're beginning to ask questions that as we feed them the data, we will begin to answer the question how a bus garage is related to equity and social economic development things rather than you need infrastructure capacity. Will this be the definitive document? Probably not, but it will be an important step in that direction. Cool. Thank you. Further questions? Seeing none, thank you, Chuck. Um, that brings us to a decision. We're going to vote on item 8. All those. Discussion. Is there further discussion? Alder Cheeks. Thank you, Madam President. Um, uh, I just want to say that I'm, I'm really pleased to hear uh, the way that Chuck is thinking about this. I think that we, you know, obviously didn't win the last Tiger Grant, but we have high hopes for this one. Um, in addition to the importance of RESJI, I think that this also. Um, uh, spotlights the importance of 
um, outcome-based budgeting, right? Being able to think about our work through the lens of specific outcomes. So excited about this and excited about uh, all the um, all the opportunities to come. Further discussion on item eight. Seeing no hands in the air. Brings us to a vote on item eight. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you. Um, Alder Cheeks, could I get a motion on 10? Uh, move to place 10 on file. Second. You'll need a vote on it. All those in favor of placing 10 on file? Which one? 10. Maybe it would be helpful for an explanation. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, Bob, for that, then. Okay. okay. Whoever. Alder, parents. <laughs> um, if 10, uh, as written, doesn't have a RFP, um, and this is a, it's a pretty substantial um, contract, and they've decided to rethink it and have an RFP. Thank you. Welcome. All those in favor of placing 10 on file, say aye. 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 Opposed. Thank you. Brings us to item 11. Could I get a motion on 11, please? Move item 11, setting the 2016 rates for city stormwater utility and Madison sewer utility. Second. Okay. Discussion? Questions? Alder Vivere. Thank you. I have a few questions, Rob and Steve. The first one is uh, extremely minor, and that's just in the fiscal note. Uh, we're using the old format of semi-annual bills, municipal bills, and so obviously we've gone to a monthly system, so I think the fiscal note should be edited to reflect either monthly or annual, not semi-annual. Sure. I know I guess that's more for the finance department, but so that's number one in the last sentence of the first paragraph of the fiscal note. Um, number two question for you gentlemen is uh, the timing. Uh, we always had done this in the last Board of Estimates and Council meeting of the year typically for the rates to go into effect as you both intimately know on New Year's Day. I'm curious why we waited until effective date of the first day of the second quarter of the year this year. Well, um, I'll I'll uh, start out, and if Steve wants to chime in, um, just with the transition to the new system, um, it it created a little bit of of additional uh, work, which we had to do this year to get the the information out of the system. But moving forward, that that shouldn't be as much of a problem now that uh, now that we've uh, we've got that uh, automated more, uh, and Steve can, can do a better job explaining this. But uh, moving forward, we we should be okay. Uh, that said, uh, there are certain advantages to this time of year that we've we've found um, that we probably want to uh, uh, continue uh, with a rate structure increase that would uh, would take place more in the end of the uh, beginning of the second quarter. Moving forward. Anything so, you want to add to that? So it was a, when you say system, you mean Munis? Correct. Okay. And essentially, and I had could, to retool the, the setup to make the flow of data from Munis easier to put into the rate structure. So now that that's set up, it's going to be set for the future. 
And then would one of you please elaborate on why moving forward you might want to start on April Fool's Day again in the future? <laughs> sure. Steve? I think one of the main reasons was to have a full year of previous data. Well, normally I would have to guesstimate what the rest of six, uh, 15 would have been. This way, I've got 15 pretty much done. I know what 15's actuals are going to be, so I have a better comparison from the, the most immediate period to the, the one I'm budgeting for. So it just makes it easier to compare and not have to estimate so much and not you know, potentially be off more than I'd like to be. Because I see in your very interesting analysis, which was presented to us, it's in Legistar, you do have you know, a number of estimates, certainly in terms of the number of meters and customers and so forth. That, so you're saying that in part would be more firmed up, not to mention the financials. It's more the financials. The, the customer counts and the meter counts, those are based on what 16's actual customer counts were. So those would, oh, sorry, 15. <laughs> so those wouldn't change drastically. It's more the having the financials data closer to the year end to make the comparisons and see what the increase from 15 ending would be versus the 16 weight rate structures. Do you want to say something else? Rather, look like oh, you. Okay. Well, my last question is not entirely related to what's before us, but uh, among the very adverse impacts that I thought of when we had got the tragic news about Oscar uh, Oscar Meyer closing the facility uh, was what impact it would have on the water utility and the sewer utility. Could you um, give us some thoughts on uh, is Oscar's is, is um, you know Kraft currently the number one or number two uh, customer of the sewer utility? It's got to be up there. Uh, I'm, you know, the state and campus probably are, are more than they perhaps, but it's but significant enough to have an impact. Could you elaborate on what you see the impact being once they shutter the plant? Uh, it, it is significant enough to have an impact. We figured in 50% of the impact in 2016. Oh, it's uh, built into Steve's analysis? Yes, and 50% uh, would, we'd anticipate in 2017, the other 50% to totally phase it out. Um, that's just an assumption at this point. Um, and Steve, do you have a, a, an idea of the actual amount? Can you quantify it? Uh, it is figured into the analysis. It would be interesting to know, to, to see if you have it just anecdotally, how much of an impact it had then on residential customers versus what do you call them? Um, I presume Oscar Meyer fits into this separate category. I don't know what all these acronyms mean, but surcharges for customers who elect or are required to monitor the characteristics of their acronym. That's what they would be under. Uh, so is there any way you can estimate like what, how much of an impact it had on residential? That's something we can customers. provide you, right. you later as well. And it certainly would have an impact because that takes a lot of people out, a lot of quantity out of the the people that elect to pay based on their strength of their sewage. So that leaves the remainder, which goes into the residential rate, a higher amount. So it does drive up the residential rate because of that. So you can really guesstimate as you said. You can, can it's in the numbers. Uh, it's in the numbers. We just don't have it with us yeah. today. I was just curious. Uh, I don't want you to go to a lot of trouble, Steve, of you know, providing a written response to us. But I was just curious. So you know, now that you, you calculate the average, Increase for uh, residential customers a little over five percent. 
just wondering, could you ballpark maybe what the increase would have been if Oscar Meyer wasn't closing? Yeah, and I, I don't know that we can. We just don't have that before us this evening. Okay. I will. I would like to, to let you know, though, that um, uh, the MMSD portion of the bill, or the, the charges from MMS, MMSD, went up about 11%. Um, our our uh, increase in revenue does not cover the increase in MMSD charges, so we are spending down a cash balance, which uh, which will have to be reflected in next year's um, rate structure. Matt Sinsky's statistical analysis is where he has a line total MMSD charges and. As you say, Rob, it's, it's significant compared to at least the last couple of years. It was higher in 2013. Right. Do I read this correctly? Uh, due in part uh, to uh, their work on their plant in the last uh, few years. Okay. All right. Thank you both. Further questions? Alder Aarons? No, thanks. Um, in the... Uh, you have two tables under the sewer utility schedule, the sewer demand charges and sewer demand charges that for meters that measure water use only. Which is the common residential part of the table? Is the regular demand is what most people would fall under. Just the sewer demand charges. Right. And, and what kind of, um, what's the size of the meter is it the meter or the what is the what is the? It's the water service holder that's coming oh, into okay. the building. Is what that refers yeah. to. Uh, so, what is the common size for our residents? Is there one? The five eighths. The five eighths. Okay. You see, five eighths and three quarters are the. Same. Yeah. That's going to cover much all the residential. Most of the residential. Yeah. Is um. As you know, the uh, water utility changed its uh, billing structure, uh, I guess, last year now, um, to make it more progressive that as you use substantially more water, you paid more per gallon. I see that this also is in a way, as you go from one inch to two inch, it's 200% more for a two-inch pipe than a uh, one-inch pipe. Um, is and I'm, I'm belying my lack of knowledge about geometry here. Is does a two-inch pipe? Is it using tw twice as much? Uh, is it is it is emitting twice as much sewage or more than that? If I have a one-inch well, pipe, two-inch pipe, is it is it twice as much or is it more than that? Remember that everybody's being charged on their their actual volumes as well, right? So this is the the demand charge is the charge that. Uh, it's a flat fee to have all the infrastructure in place to provide the sewer service, and then the, the actual volume is charged. Uh, For each, actual, each gallon of wastewater? Y yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, Steve has a basically essentially a formula that, that derives all this information, and, um, you know, that's something, you know, we can certainly look at in the, in the future, but it does have to be, it does have to be defensible, um, even though we don't take this to the Public Service Commission. Mm -hmm. It still has to be defensible because mm -hmm. a complaint uh, filed could be heard at the Public Service Commission. So it's uh, 
it's not it's not arbitrary. Oh, I, I realize that, and uh, but it's something to consider in the future. Um, the the water utility, after much, you know, Sturm and that gang on it, um, sort of went through it, and actually it was very well received by the community. I think as people sort of get why someone who's charging, who's using five thousand gallons. Uh, uh, would pay a premium for that as compared to a uh, household that's uh, better at conserving water. What per- uh, Steve, what percentage, looking at the the, uh, the smaller meter here of 1288, what percentage of a monthly bill is the fix, does the fixed rate constitute? Just generally? Generally, I think it's 55%. 50, so it's about half is the fixed rate. And the others, the um, the uh, volume charge. Volume charge. Mm-hmm. So that might be something to consider as well. Um, uh, last year, uh, Mike Daly visited with the uh, council and um, uh, discussed uh, a differential charge for uh more difficult, I don't know how to describe it, is basically restaurants and so on that are discharging uh, fats and other kinds of solids and so on. Yeah, that that's actually next on our list okay. uh, of things to do <laughs> to get that done uh, mm-hmm. sometime in the first uh, half to, to uh, third quarter of, of 2016. Mm-hmm. Where we would have a restaurant class uh, just to more fairly uh, distribute those costs to restaurants. Mm-hmm. Questions on 12. Is there discussion? All those in favor of approving 12, say aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you. Brings us to item 13. Uh, item 13. Second. Questions on 13. Alder Revere. Thank you. Well, my, my first question when I saw this uh, resolution is, is this, and I could ask the Alder of the District too, but or Matt, but is this is this proposed park the full-length basketball court that we've seen in the last couple of adopted capital budgets, or is this something entirely new and it's in addition to the basketball courts? Um, I'll answer and then sure. let Matt elaborate. Uh, it's the land where that will actually go, and and then some. So it's it's larger than what was anticipated that this will be a neighborhood park beyond just full full-length basketball courts. Or Matt, can I, I, I think the preliminary sketches show room for a basketball court plus more. Um, I don't know that we've got a, a full program yet as to what it will, what it will be. Okay. 
Okay, you can come forward if there's anything to add, but if there isn't, you can stay put from my perspective. And then just for my benefit, could one of you direct me where the park is on the map that we have? Sure. The, the, the park are the, the middle two lots. I think they're labeled uh, one and two. The one and two, like here? One and two, right. Yep, so mm -hmm. it does not include the small sliver that's on Allied Drive. Um, it's the, the two larger parcels in the middle. So the, that has a public alley bisecting Correct. Yeah, the, the alley will get removed. Okay, I was, gonna, I was wondering about the alley if I had read this correctly. And then just lastly, and this is probably for you, Matt, but can you explain the elaborate accounting <laughs> here and what the bottom line is? I, I think I get it. I read the exhibits and read the fiscal note a couple times. Sure. So um, the, the appraised value of the lots is $350,000. Um, so if parks would just buy that from the CDA, it would trigger a repayment of $392,000 um, because of the existing mortgage. So by selling the lot, the CDA would lose $40,000, which is money designated currently for homeownership programs. Um, so, so what we're asking for is, is for the sale to happen, uh, we'll remove the mortgage um, so the CDA will get the $350,000 in, in cash essentially, um, and then uh, we currently have $280,000 of Community Development Division money um, that has been awarded through uh, mostly through the summer funding process. We would sort of give that authority back so it could be used for affordable housing and the $350,000 purchase price we continue to use for um, affordable homeownership um, activities. So things like uh, providing direct subsidy, um, construction financing, um, and just a lot of the day-to-day -day of working um, on Allied Drive with uh, our development partner. Very creative. Thank you. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you. Further questions on 13? Alder Rummel. So I'm just sort of reflecting back. That parcel A had all those awesome trees, right? And there are presumably many still there, or am I not? Not remembering this parcel very well. I don't. I don't think so. there's any trees. We did have one tree that actually had to be removed because it was diseased and falling over. But there's there's very little tree coverage there. Mm -hmm. some, I just remember some very lot that runs along Ally that Matt indicated is not included. There are a series of large trees on that lot. I don't think there are any trees on the two lots for yeah. the parks department. There were some really beautiful trees. There's still yeah. some there. They, they, won't trees be they won't be impacted. Further discussion on, or questions on 13? Discussion? Thank you. Brings us to a vote on 13. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you. Could I get a motion on 14? Move on 14. Second. Alderama? I just want to make an editorial change in the uh, now therefore be it resolved um, paragraph. There's a typo in the address where the numbers got transposed to 2430 instead of 2340. We don't want to um, spell a roundabout. We want to spell <laughs> other part of this problem. Do you have that, Laura? We'll, we'll reflect that. Yep. We'll reflect it. Okay. Are there questions on 14? Alder Revere. Thank you. Hi, Chris. Hi. Could you, or this is another one where the Alder of the District could help me with my questions, but could you just uh, explain the resolution? I know it's very straightforward, real estate resolution. So maybe you, uh, Matt, uh, Alder Rummel, could explain 
exactly why we're doing this? Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. Um, Gorman, as most of you know, had acquired phases one through four um, last year, and they had. We have carved off phases five and six for them to um, option in the future and acquire for a dollar if they could demonstrate a gap. So in the meantime, they had a number of buyers that came to them for phase six that wanted to acquire it. And they presented that recent offer to us. So we decided to, instead of dealing with Gorman and this potential acquirer of the property, we set forth an agreement with Gorman whereby we would negotiate with this user buyer directly and in the event we could consummate a deal with them, you know, they would terminate their option rights to phase six. So that's the reason this resolution is um, was presented to the city common council and to the BOE. And similar to the last resolution, could you help me geographically? We know it's now at a roundabout now. Could you help me know where? Thank you. <laughs> so it's, um, it's currently where the sales office is located. It's this L-shaped parcel. The sales office on East Wash? Yep. The McGrath sells their old sign in yes. front of? The building's actually in pretty good shape. No, this is well, I get it. more visual if you think of it. When you say it's the old yeah. sales office from a graph, I know yeah. exactly where it is. <laughs> and there's a parcel behind it. The current user we're negotiating with, um, who actually sent us a letter of intent last week, is interested in buying this parcel within the entire parcel. So. I take it that's not ready for prime time disclosure yet? No. So the neighborhood no, it's association isn't aware of it yet? or. It's it's under review with the city attorney's office right now. And then my my last question centers around the proposed hundred thousand dollar payment to Gorman and Company, and and so could you explain beyond what's in the resolution that did they really have that many planning costs into this one parcel and where is the money coming from? The fiscal note says no fiscal impact, and I realize that. Perhaps the fiscal impact won't be reflected in a fiscal note until a follow-up resolution. Is a follow-up resolution required if this happens to disperse the $100,000 yes. and what account it, would that would come present, from? Um, a resolution for the offer that was presented last week to us if we internally um, agree it's a deal that we would move forward with. We do know, though, that the sales price would be significantly more than $100,000. So the thought is to use a portion of the proceeds from the sale uh, to provide that $100,000 to Gorman and Company. So this this figure was negotiated with Gorman. They they do believe that it's justifiable that they yes. have that many costs into this yes. parcel. Okay, thank you. Further questions? Seeing none, discussion. No hands in the air? I just might say that um, this has been a very long process. Um, I think uh, since Mark and I, like years ago, created land banking, this process has unfolded over time. And I think we, when we created the deal for a dollar, 
a glam across a dollar, if you can show a total gap of six million, it didn't work really for all the parcels because some, to some degree in the original agreement, the parcels were priced to fit with the TIF deal as opposed to the actual real appraised prices you might get on the market. And then also, it, it did, I don't know, it, it's, they have their hands full doing the clinic and now they're doing the, the, the parcel with the grocery store and they still have to work on the affordable housing piece. So it just seemed like a really good opportunity with a real interested buyer that I think would be an asset for this area, which hopefully we can learn more about soon. Mm -hmm. For the discussion, seeing none, brings us to a vote on 14. Thank you. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed? I get a motion on 15, please. Move item 15. Second. Questions? I have questions. Alder Aaron? Um, how much is you have two requests for two RFPs here what's your estimate for the cost of the um, one is the grant writing tax credit so on uh, RFP and then a uh, site plan so and so What's the relative cost of those? So uh, we're still kind of working that out. Um, in the implementation strategy, uh, we've anticipated about um, for the first one, the financial one, about 190,000. Uh, in that uh, RFP, we're kind of viewing as two parts. The first is effectively a financial consultant, so somebody to help figure out the New Markets tax credit deal structure and the overall package of the financing for the project. And then the second part would be more traditional fundraising, so uh, going out and raising private donations. Um, we're having some conversations with folks in the industry to kind of get a better handle on um, that, both of those scopes of work and relative costs, but that's kind of what we're anticipating. Mm -hmm. And then for the uh, design development architecture, uh, we've uh, put in a budget of 85000 um, mm -hmm. And the thought with that is uh, to go from the preliminary floor plan work that was done as part of the public market business plan uh, to get us between there and um, construction documents that would be done uh, when we're a little bit more shovel-ready. It says that um, in the fiscal note, um, Anticipated resolution cost is two hundred thousand. So so far we're at two seventy-five. I guess I don't know where the fiscal note, how that got into the fiscal note. I don't know how, where do fiscal no, notes no, come didn't from. Cut into the <laughs> <laughs> and you gave me the two hundred thousand dollar figure. Oh, well, we may have made a mistake there. Laura can amend it. It's within amend their it. purview. Yeah. <laughs> it should be two two seventy five. 
Um, I guess this is a question for um, well, you or Mr. Schmidtke. Um, when we reviewed this issue, uh, the public market at budget, um, I recall that we had a number of uh, conditions to move forward before we um, began funding, and that was um, that we get private money, that we have federal money, and so on. Um, did we have a, a, an, an amount that was um, sorry to, that was determined or and Marsha has it right <laughs> oh it's part of the file I see so you want the funding sources and how yeah, much? Yeah, I see that Marsha just uh, gave me uh, her uh, sheet here that has that. So my understanding is that these um, other funding sources, state, federal, new market tax credit, private foundation, local donors, and so on, would have to be in hand before we got to um, – the first two sources, UDAG, well, I guess we're doing some UDAG, mm -hmm. but city capital dollars? Right. That's the, you'll have to have all of the funding in place before we move toward, I think, sort of that final stage of design and construction for the facility. Mm -hmm. These monies, as I understand it, that you're talking about, continue to be the planning element of the, of the facility. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you, Dan. Um, that's all the questions that I have on this. Further questions? Seeing none, discussion? Alder Rummel. So I'm on this committee, and um, it's been a really – we've taken the, the recommendations from the council very seriously, um, to both and well, not, this will deal with the financial question, these RFPs, but also all the, the equity recommendations that we um, have engaged in. And if you really to read this report, and our committee like really tightened it up. I mean, Dan did a great job writing it, and we just tweaked it. But I think it's really a really impressive document, and sort of we tried to create a way forward because there's complicated issues like. How do you transition from it being a city thing to being a quasi-private nonprofit? And so how to make sure that we have oversight when we do and then when we transition, how to do that. So we're still talking about some of those fine points, but just want you to know that we're, we're working really hard on this. And that we'll review the RFPs at our next meeting, and then I suppose it will come back through the, the council process. Thank you, Dan, for your good work on this. And Alderamal, if you could thank the committee for the board, that would be great. Thank you. Further questions? No questions. Discuss discussion. We're in the discussion. Maybe. Are there further questions? Well, no, I have Maybe no further none. questions. Discussion. Alder Aaron. Okay. Um, I'm concerned about the design portion of this. Um, and my concern is um, that it puts us further down the road um, 
on taking very material steps towards it, envisioning a site and so on before we have uh, the money in hand. I think we were very close at the last budget to allocating four and a half million dollars for this without condition under the, I think, the presumption held by many, including myself, um, was that the other money was in hand. Um, and that turned out not to be the case. Um, so I could see the, the case for uh, bringing in staff, consultants, whatever, to do some of the fundraising. That would be a nearly impossible task to occur in-house. Um, but the, on the design element, um, I think we could hold off on that in the same way of holding off um, for this for this next phase. Let's see what this consultants can bring in in terms of federal dollars, foundation, whatever, and then uh, based on that to move into the, the phase of of really creating a uh, visual uh, picture of it. Um, so that's my thought on that, which is to I don't have to delete the portion on uh, develop a site plan. I don't know what paragraph that is. Be it further result to develop a site, delete that paragraph, and to have the financial portion uh, move on. And someone would have to make that motion. Because I is there a motion before us? Alder Esther? I just want to comment, not make a motion. Um, maybe I'm back to questions, so I apologize if I am back to no questions. No problem. I'm back to questions, too. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'm wondering, so the money that we're spending currently, this UDAG funding, is funding that we have in hand. Is that, that's correct? Yeah. Okay. So the concern, which I see, is that the broader funding is something that we don't have in hand yet. Um, but I, So I guess I wonder how much it would set us back if we were to delay some of these planning for design elements um, while waiting on the, the broader funding. Um, and what's the advantage to doing those two pieces simultaneously, as the committee has clearly recommended to us? So I guess that's a question back to you, Dan. Sure. So... Uh they're related. So uh, one of the federal sources of funds that we are kind of setting our sights towards is the Economic Development Administration, EDA. And to get a, a public works grant from EDA, you generally need, you do need, um, for a facility, you need architecture that's pretty far down the road. Um, they actually have rules like, I don't know, something like 10% of the design of the building can't change after the grant is awarded. Um, so one of the things that we're, you know, we're um, trying to do is get in the pipeline for an EDA grant, uh, hopefully within the next few months, um, which would be then a several-month process. So the the design development architecture uh, that we're um, would be uh, going out to to hire for um, would be sort of a prerequisite 
to, to that. And from a you know larger fundraising standpoint, we don't you know we don't really know yet what the what the building kind of looks like. Um, and with other prospective donors, um, they'll likely you know want to be able to visualize the building a little bit more. Uh, so for those reasons, um, I I'd also add we talked a little bit about this back in October, but led by MADREP, our Regional Economic Development Group, we have this IMCP designation right now, um, which is a two-year designation that qualifies us for uh, additional federal programs and preferential treatment. Um, so from that standpoint, it's another kind of reason to keep things moving forward on this work. Um, so I guess for those reasons, the, 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 the design work that we're calling for is, is very closely related to the, the funding piece. Further questions? Further discussion? Seeing none, that brings us to a vote on 15. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. Um, do we need to go into closed session? I don't think we do. No. Okay. Could I get a motion on 16 then? Move item 16. Second. Second. I don't know. Will the motion be that we're going to? We're not going to. No, but that we're, I don't know if you know what we're doing yet on this one, but I'll second for the sake of discussion. Okay, thank you. And because uh, the motion would be to adopt, there's nothing, to, there's nothing adopt. to adopt. So I don't know if we're just receiving a report. Or receiving a report? Okay. Well, ask, asking a that. question. <laughs> he thinks this is a discussion item. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mr. Miklajewski, would you like to brief us on this, please? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, the city uh, was approached by an existing Madison employer, Laser Express, um, to uh, relocate uh, their existing city of Madison facility and combine it with the facility that they have in Windsor uh, within the Silicon Prairie Business Park on the west side of Madison. So currently the company is located on the south side in a facility in Windsor, and they'd be combining those two facilities and expanding uh, in Silicon Prairie, which is a business park on the west side of Madison. They've approached the city with the possibility for TIP support. Uh, we haven't received uh, a formal application from them yet, but in conversation with them, uh, they would most likely not have a financial gap. So this would be more of a jobs TIF project uh, where the goal would be to retain and create employment over time versus fulfilling a financial gap. Under TIF policy, uh, there is a waiver that allows for a gap analysis exception uh, if a project has at least 100 jobs. Uh, we know that currently uh, the company has about half that number. Uh, we'll be adding maybe 15 to 20 more jobs over time, uh, so we know for sure that the company will fall below that 100-job minimum. So I'm here this evening uh, to ask uh, the Board of Estimates uh, what your comfort level would be to possibly provide an exception to that 100-job minimum. Um, we, again, we have not received a formal application. We haven't underwritten the project uh, because that does take time both on the perspective of the business and our TIF staff. And so before doing so, given that there was this uh, important threshold within the policy, I wanted to, to ask uh, what the, the pleasure of the Board of Estimates was with regard to possibly having an exception to that. I'd like to ask a couple questions just sure. to clarify things. Mm -hmm. So 
when you talk about the 100 job minimum, that was in the new TIF policy. Yes. And what was the rationale for 100? I don't believe there was a specific rationale for, for why the committee landed on, on that number. I will have to say that especially for these uh, more industrial-type projects, uh, that most employers are likely under 100 jobs. So, so this size of an employer, you know, between 50 and 75 positions is probably a lot more common than a, an employer over 100. So of, of employers in Madison, you're saying an average would be about 50 to 75? Well, of, of all employers. No, there's large employers, but yeah. I'm talking an average. Mm -hmm. For for this type of employer, yes. For this type of um, more industrial, quasi-industrial, warehousing type employer. And as the director of economic development, um, and we're talking about um, uh, growing, mm -hmm. right, the economic mm -hmm. base and jobs, and, and what is our focus on what type of employer? Sure. Um, so I think you can look at that question from two perspectives. Uh, one is, is from an industry perspective uh, where there's certainly, um, you know, certainly certain industry clusters that we target, IT-related companies, biotech-related companies. But you can also look at it from the perspective of the type of employment. And certainly as a community, we want to continue to grow uh, the opportunities for living wage, family-supporting jobs that provide employment opportunities uh, for individuals across uh, the spectrum of, of educational attainment and, and skills and abilities. Certainly an employer uh, like this uh, provides a, a nice array of employment positions. Uh, there'll be everything from uh, warehouse jobs, I should say they're currently, because this is an existing employer, everything from warehouse jobs up to uh, individuals that work in the business office component of the business. So we like to see employers like this because they do provide uh, that wide range of, of employment positions. And specifically on this employer, when you said that they would be adding about 20 new jobs over time, mm -hmm. what does over time mean? I, I'll be honest, I, I don't know. For sure, again, because we, we only had a, a single meeting with the company, so we haven't fully um, analyzed uh, their, their proposed plans. Okay, I have one further question, but I'm going to open it up to the board. Alder Vivere. Thank you. I have some follow-up questions as well, Matt. Mm -hmm. First, just some further background on the company. And going straight with ge geography, where in the south side are they currently located in Madison? They're on Stewart Street, which is the industrial park south of the Beltline between Park Street and Fish Hatchery Road. Thank you. And when you say that they want to um, consolidate that facility along with one that's in the now, now village of Windsor, mm -hmm. when you then further talk about perhaps 20 jobs coming to the city, you don't mean the jobs that are that twenty that twenty person figure estimate does not include existing jobs that are currently um, in the village of Windsor, correct? Correct. That's what I know. How many perhaps jobs are currently in Windsor? I, I do not that know. Would be moving to Madison. I don't know. And then, is it fair to ask a ballpark estimate as to how much money the company might be seeking from us in TIF? Um, 
I, I don't know for sure, but what I can offer is that we know that this would be a new TID in Silicon Prairie. It would be an industrial TID. Uh, the project would need to support um, the TIF support that it receives. So, in other words, the increment from the building would need to support uh, the TIF loan. Uh, given that it is an industrial building and given how industrial buildings are appraised, I would suspect uh, that we would be talking about uh, TIF support in the area of um, a couple hundred thousand dollars to a few hundred thousand dollars. So it would definitely be in the, the six-figure versus the seven-figure amount of support. Okay. And so if you receive affirmation from us tonight that we're open to considering such a application, the next step would be that the company would make an application to your office? Yes, and uh, uh, Mr. Gromaki would underwrite the project, and uh, assuming that we believe it's still appropriate to provide TIF support, uh, we would then come back to the uh, Board of Estimates and the Council with a, a TIF staff report and a, a request for funding. Thank you. Yeah, what do we, so currently when we're recruiting employers to come to Madison who don't have gaps, they're just doing this because they want to be in Madison, what would we use to lure employers in, in lieu of the new jobs-based TIF policy? Uh, the city maintains a capital revolving loan fund uh, that will provide uh, loan support uh, to business. Um, and then the predominant tool is TIF outside of cap revolving loan fund. Certainly for smaller businesses, there's, um, you know, facade grants, which certainly have been great for, for smaller businesses. Um, and then we have occasionally other programs. So we had our former brood brownfield remediation program. We're going to be adding our new co-op business program, State Street Retail Grant. So occasionally then we have other uh, various programs, but the, the two that we typically use are the CAP Revolving Loan Fund and TIF. So those are, if I can have a couple follow-ups, um, in many ways very targeted to specific areas or specific businesses kind of to draw in more programmatically than generally. So I guess I wonder if you have any sense, and I know this could be a very big shot in the dark, of if opening up this this ca current cap at 100 gives you any pause about the number of employers that might come to us with this sort of a request in the future, and if that's something that um, you think the city can support at this lower number, or if that gives you concern. Um, it, I think overall um, it would actually provide us with more opportunity uh, rather than concern. I think it's important to note that there's always going to be limiting factors relative to the use of TIF. First and foremost, it has to be in a district or an area where we believe a district would be appropriate. Silicon Prairie is, I think, a very appropriate location. Uh, we've been working for many years to try to secure new businesses in this business park and, and haven't had very much success. Um, that being said, uh, the majority of the city is not in a TIF and will never be in a TIF. Um, also, I think that it's beneficial for the city to um, at least hear um, from potential businesses that are interested in, in moving here. And, um, you know, certainly if we get to a point where we're being overwhelmed with interests by businesses locating here and using TIF by the lower threshold and we feel that we need to uh, kind of take the foot off the gas, certainly that's something we could do at a later date. Thank you. Would you consider that a good problem to have 
I think it would be a good problem to have, yes. Alder Rommel. That might be a good problem to have, but we have a policy. So I'm sort of struggling with maybe some of the former members or those who spent a lot of time at that committee could explain what thinking that went into 100. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a 50% difference is, you know, pretty significant. And um, considering, you know, I'll stop there. I might have more questions. Sure. I already asked that question, actually, but go ahead. Well, I can perhaps provide a little bit of insight on that. Um, former Elder Schmidt and I actually met with, with Matt and uh, um, his staff a couple of months ago about this, basically posing the same question as to all of us, where did that hundred come from? And we were trying to remember um, where that came from, and none of us could really come up with a rationalization of um, why we picked a hundred or why there was some threshold in there in the first place other than possibly the, the issue we just touched on, which was not wanting to create an expectation that extremely small employers might be eligible um, under this, which in retrospect seems um, absurd. Mm -hmm. And so um, I certainly, as a member of the committee that, that worked on this, um, don't have any objection to, and, you know, perhaps it would make sense to open that up and, take that out, but that would be a bigger deal than um, this particular project. Because if it is a good problem to have, then we should we should amend the TIF policy mm -hmm. instead of always creating waivers. Because mm -hmm. the first waiver time is, you know, the, the special circumstance. And if, if, if upon reflection, this type of employer is, you know, this is average. I mean, maybe we need to do a little bit more, get a little bit more data as a separate kind of side, you know, I mean, I'm not opposed to finding out more about this company, but I don't really, wouldn't really support it until we had that kind of policy discussion and any proposed changes or at least more data to say what should we expect if 100 is too much. Alder Cheeks. Um, thank you, Madam President. Um, and thank you, Alder Rimmel, for, for bringing up that important point. I totally agree. I think if we think it's a good idea writ large, then we should change the policy to reflect that instead of um, creating some expectation or some exception that we then, looking back six months from now, won't be able to recall what was so unique that we thought that was worth it um, when the next one comes up. Luckily, this meeting is being recorded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's useful. Um, uh, question regarding what tools are at our disposal. I, I'm not uh, personally familiar with Silicon, or I'm sorry, with Laser Express, uh, but I have toured several businesses that are similar, many in Fitchburg, um, and, and they do actually have really diverse uh, hiring opportunities in terms of really entry level, very family supporting, I mean, good, good paying jobs that, that you can be trained for and, and have a career in. Um, what sort of leverage do we have to be able to ensure that um, they're making strong efforts to, to hire within the city of Madison? Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the first thing that we can do in part of our due diligence with the company is first to confirm how many of their existing employees are in the city of Madison. Um, in terms of, of, of compelling the company to hire um, City of Madison employees, admittedly, you know, there are some challenges in that in terms of, of how uh, one manages that in the long run. And, and, you know, I think we can certainly, though, have a conversation about a goal and a desire for um, them to, to hire um, 
you know, city employees and, and make that part of, of the discussion with them. Um, but it is admittedly, it, administratively, it can be tough to, to have a specific requirement that they hire X number of, of city employees. That, that's sort of the answer I anticipated. I am um, all about winning over businesses to Madison, mm -hmm. although, I mean, at some point that's almost a net zero game, I think, you know, and particularly move to uh, create job opportunities for, for our residents. And so mm -hmm. I would encourage you, as, as we explore this conversation with them, I'd encourage you to find ways that, that we can um, help them or encourage them or support them in, in efforts to uh, particularly recruit City of Madison residents. Other questions? Um, I have a question that mm -hmm. Elder Cheeks um, sort of unleashed in my brain. <laughs> so I understand why we, it would be hard to monitor if it's a city resident or not that's working there because then they'd move someplace else and then they wouldn't be a city resident and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they'd be out of compliance with the requirements of a TIF. Um, can we require a certain diversity in their workforce? I mean, um, I'm not saying that it's in there right now, but mm -hmm. has that been done? Are you aware of that? I, I would have to follow up with the state attorney's office a little bit on employment law and what yep. one can cannot do. To receive city funds. Even to receive city funds. No, I, I mean, yeah. that's my question. Yep. To re yep. If you're receiving TIF funds, which are city funds, and for a jobs TIF, can diversity in the workforce be a requirement would be my question. I can look into that. Okay, thank you. Um, so other questions? Further discussion? Okay. Alder Lama? I want to know what we're telling Matt. Cause right, that's what I was saying. That, yes, start, but also do these other uh, yep. research things and yep. come back to us. That's what I was going to go mm -hmm. towards next. So what I'm hearing, um, Matt, is there some questions that you need to um, get mm -hmm. answered and possibly opening up this um, the TIF policy mm -hmm. or revision on the jobs TIF. That's what I've heard from the will of this body um, to be able to better reflect the businesses in Madison. And I would just add perhaps the reason this is the first time that this has come before us is because it's at 100, and there's businesses out there that don't think they qualify, so that, that might if, if we had this review. So just putting that. So mm -hmm. um, what we're, what's before us then is you've got some answers, not specifically on this, but for future um, mm -hmm. applicants or uh, discussion. But right now what's before us is what is the comfort level of this body with you going forward with this company and through the process and mm -hmm. then bringing it back to us. So we're not actually voting on this, mm -hmm. right? We're just yep. giving you a comfort. Mm -hmm. So I guess if we had a comfort, could we just go, yes, we're comfortable or no, we're not comfortable and you can count thumbs. Is that mm -hmm. all, those, all those in favor of um, giving Matt a comfort? Thumb. You're, you're not calling for a vote, are I'm you? not. I want a thumbs up. And if you're not comfortable with going forward, it's a thumbs down. How's that? So comfort level to Matt, thumbs up. I'm, I'm sensing there's some comfort. Yeah. All right. Go. 
Thumbs up or thumbs down? Okay, Alder Rommel. So I thought I heard you say that silicon, whatever it's called, is not in the tip. Correct, is not in the tip. So one of your, I don't know what people thumb, I didn't put my thumb up or down. But I would like to know more about that as a, you know, I know we've talked about it before, but just as part of the data and the policy question. Yep, I can do that. So all joking aside, um, are we comfortable with Matt going forward with this and investigating it further? Is yes. that a, a nodding heads instead mm -hmm. of thumbs up? Okay. I think you have the comfort of this body, Matt. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Um, a motion to adjourn? Um, I think I technically moved to accept this report, so maybe we should close that. There's no vote. It was just it was a discussion, discussion item. Oh, that's good. Well, then I have a motion to adjourn. <laughs> Second. All those in favor, aye. 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 Thank you very much, everyone, and everyone at home for watching. Thank you. You're welcome.